TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast Podcast with your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. No Paige Demakos today. It's Jamie Eisner here along with Jake Arians, and it's the final show before the first week of the NFL regular season. We have made it through the entire offseason. We're going to talk about everything you need to know coming out of the last set of preseason games, some news and notes that you need to have, and we're going to finally go over the bets that we want to make on who's going to win the Super Bowl, who's going to win MVP, defensive player all of the year, all that. But let's start with where we've unfortunately had to start so many shows this year, the Ezekiel Elliott holdout. Jerry Jones came out yesterday and says he expects Elliott to miss games. This is all posturing at this point, but it is August 30th. We're going to be playing real football in six days. Ezekiel Elliott is nowhere to be seen at Cowboys camp. Jake, if you have to draft this weekend, this is the final weekend before the regular season, where are you going to take him, and what do you take this news to? I don't think I can, bro. I mean, you said it exactly right. It's posturing at this point. Um, I fully expect him back by week four because that's when it starts mattering. We talked about it in the last show. They should go 3-0 without him. I tell you, from a fantasy point, everybody's handcuffing him with Tony Pollard. I'm not sure that you're not going to see a big mix of Alfred Morris and some other guys and whatever else is going on in that backfield. I don't know that Tony Pollard is going to come in and get a Zeke workload. I mean, you got to handcuff him with somebody, but I'm not drafting him at this point, man. I mean, I just like, give me Dalvin Cook, give me Chubb, give me Le'Veon Bell, like somebody that's going to play in week one. Like you can't go out and lose two of your first three fantasy weeks because you took Zeke. And if you can't handcuff him or if Tony say you do handcuff him with Tony Pollard and you play him and he doesn't have that kind of workload, man, it, it would really worry me. I mean, like I said, we talked about in the last show that we all fully expect him back by week four. I think, you know, this is posturing by Jerry where Jerry looked like he was given a little bit when we talked about the last show, right? And now Jerry's like, look, I can see him missing up to week six. I'm yeah, not touching it's, it. It's, it's crazy. Uh, uh, right now, he is dropped in, in the Fantasy Football World Championships. If you remember, if you listen to the show for a while, you know, Jake and I were out in Vegas last year. We got to watch these guys draft firsthand. He was going number four. Well, over the last few days, he's now dropped to number 11 overall. So they're starting to back off him a little bit in those big money drafts. I have him lower than that. I have him around the turn in round two. So if I'm thinking like if you took Saquon with the number one pick or you took Alvin Kamara with the number two pick and you want to risk it with one of those picks on in the second, third round on Ezekiel Elliott, I think it might be worth it because I think he's going to be back at some point in the season. And then at that point, if you're rolling with Zeke and Saquon or Zeke and Kamara or Zeke and McCaffrey uh, in the second half of the season, I think you're going to be a fantasy championship. Right. This, this comes down to winning and losing your league, though. And my whole my whole message for the offseason, from my point of view, is value and getting guys that are going to be consistent for you. Like, you're exactly right. When he comes back and you have Kamara, you have McCaffrey, or you got Saquon, or hell, even if you took Hopkins at four and you get him in this, you know, it's either going to win you or lose your league because if you lose two of your first three without him, you may not make the playoffs. When he, if you, you know what I mean, when he comes back, so it's to me, it's so risky, but it could be worth the risk. Now, if there's any, if he's there any later than that, then I would absolutely consider it. I mean, if he's sitting in the third round somehow because people just freak out, I don't, I don't know how you pass that up. Yeah, honestly, the reality is you're probably not going to have to make that decision. He is going in somewhere in the first round. 
in almost every single draft and almost every single mock that you're seeing. So odds are you're not going to have to make that decision with the 23rd, 24th, 25th overall pick. But it is something to note. But I I do want to go back to what you said about Tony Pollard. I agree with you. I think this is maybe a 65-35 split with Pollard and Alfred Morris and company. I I don't think this is going to be – Pollard's getting 20 carries a game all of a sudden now that Zeke's not there. And I think maybe people are overestimating. Plus, I don't think Tony Pollard has much of a role at all once Zeke returns. So be careful taking him. Pollard's starting to kind of sneak really, really high in drafts now. Just be just be cautious with that. But I had Shelby take him in the 15th round the other night, and I basically did it because she plays the guy that took Zeke in week two. <laughs> So it couldn't, he didn't take him earlier to handcuff him. Like getting him that late, I think there's some value. You could drop him later on. Here's the other thing Tony Pollard's the young guy. He fumbles, and Alfred Morris, it's 70 30 the other way. Right? Yeah. I mean, th- this team without Zeke's not going to be able to afford some turnovers, and they can't risk it for the young guy to go do that. I think it's going to be really interesting how this thing plays out. But it scares the hell out of me from a fantasy point of view. It really does, and obviously we're not going to spend much time on Melvin Gordon. Nothing new has happened there. You're, he's even further down than Zeke for me for a lot of reasons. It, it might be a while. Gordon's been losing money since the start of the preseason, so this is literally – he might not show up till week yeah. 10. Like we, that, that might be the scenario there. So he's a guy that he has to drop into where I'm starting to take bench guys before I would start to grab Melvin Gordon anywhere. Let's let's move on to the, to Miami. There's a lot of news there. Let's start with the starting quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick was named the starting quarterback for week one, which really wasn't a surprise to anybody who's really been paying attention to what's been going on in Miami. It was Fitzpatrick's job to lose. He didn't lose it in the preseason. So he will start week one at home against Baltimore. I don't think there's a ton of value in Fitzpatrick, but what is the value in those receivers, in Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, Albert Wilson, now that they have a gunslinger at quarterback versus the more, at least what we've seen so far, the more conservative Josh Rosen. Yeah, I mean, look, Rosen looked pretty good in the preseason. I've seen a lot of stuff, a lot of hype out there that he outplayed him, but they went with Fitzpatrick anyway. Not really. I mean, I think they knew Fitz from practice every day was going to be the guy. You have a new coaching staff, first-time head coach. All coaches think they're going to win. I mean, the rest of us know they're not. They, the team sucks. But they want probably the most consistent veteran guy Apparently, from all accounts, Rosen didn't look very good in the spring and then kind of picked it up throughout training camp. It played pretty good in the games. But with Fitz playing, I agree with you, and you said it on like six or seven shows ago, these Miami receivers, from a, I mean, nobody wants to pick people off losing teams for their fantasy stuff, but I think Stills has some serious value. And you said it last week, if Albert Wilson's playing the slot, and as much as Fitz went to Humphreys last year, I think there's some value there as well. And none of these guys are getting drafted until the 15th round or if they're getting drafted at all. So I think there's definitely some value there. But who knows what's going to happen with this trade? Apparently, Houston wants more than what's being offered now. I can see one of those guys being uh, shipped uh, with Tunsil in a first-round pick for Clowney and whatever else is going on. So I think it's kind of wait and see. But I think there's definitely some value in Stills and, and Albert Wilson. Now, Parker is probably the most upside, but I don't trust that dude. Yeah, I mean, he, Parker has to stay healthy. I mean, there's upside there if he's on the field. But and I want to see him outside of an Adam Gase offense. But – yeah, I mean, if you're looking for like the last receiver on your bench, I think grabbing one or a couple of these Miami receivers is going to be worth but worthwhile at least early in the season. But that that Tunsil potential trade is very interesting to me because if you are a Kalen Balage or a Kenyon Drake owner, and they move their, their left tackle, their franchise left tackle, out of town, and you're the one that's still there, I'm not sure I want to have either one of those Miami backs at all, even as a flex play at this point. Yeah, I, and I still don't know. I mean, I thought one of them would get moved. 
so I and I figured I thought it would be Drake, uh, which still could happen today. We don't we're doing this early, so you know everybody's trying to do these last minute things and see what's going on. This trade doesn't make any sense for anybody. I mean, Miami's going to get rid of their left tackle and get Clowney, an injury prone guy that plays hard thirty percent of the time, and when he plays hard, he looks like a freak. But you just drafted a left tackle, like that's what you build franchises on. You have a young quarterback you just traded for a second round pick. Yes, he's not the starter now, but that, by all accounts, he's the future unless they go three and thirteen, they take two or whatever happens. I don't know how you trade a left tackle, even if you get a first-round pick back, unless they just don't like him or they know some other stuff. And he, he does have a history, so, man, we can't judge some of this stuff. But, like, why is this not done? It's now been leaked. And when it gets leaked, a lot of times it never happens. I mean, it's uh, – I agree with you. Go back to fantasy point of view, though. I mean, Drake and Balage, who knows? And if their left tackle does go, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, I don't really don't yeah. want to touch a lot of this, other than I do think there's some value with these receivers – even if Rosen does play, I think there's some receiver uh, value here, but definitely with Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I think that's a big takeaway from the Miami stuff. Is just there's some value on the bench for these Miami wide receivers, and, and we've been saying it all off season. It, it's not a sexy pick, but even bad teams have players with fantasy value. So you just got to make sure you you go out there and, and see who might be available for you on your waiver wire because I think all three of them have a chance to at least be worthy of a bench spot. So if they're out there, go back. Yeah, I'd probably lean on being a little bit more conservative in week one, but I would pay attention to, you know, Fitz is big on who he has chemistry with. And he will, he doesn't mind forcing it, right? So if you, if you, if you start seeing Albert Wilson with nine targets and he gets seven catches in week one, there's obviously some chemistry there. Look against the defense that they were playing. Were they playing man? Were they playing zone? Those kind of things. And see if you can project that for three or four weeks out. Maybe you want to pick Albert Wilson up because he's probably going to be on the waiver wire. And you go, okay, I might sneak him into a flex play here. Pay attention. Like, that's the kind of stuff we talk about all the time. Pay attention four or five weeks out. Look at the defense that they play. When a guy puts up a big week, was it a fluky, you know, three targets? He had two catches for two touchdowns and 140 yards, some, you know, two long bomb crazy thing? Or was it, did he get like 11 targets because they played a defense that played zone and they had a crafty veteran like Albert Wilson playing in the slot and a, and a quarterback that knows I got to move the chain. So he had 11 targets, right? In a PPR format, yeah. that's stuff you got to look at. And you have to look at the defense they're going to play for weeks. That's what I I'd take a little more conservative week one, but I pay attention to stuff like that. And that's what wins you leagues. It absolutely is. Again, I'm I'm not playing any of these guys week one, but if if you kind of have like that iffy roster spot or somebody's hurt or you, you took somebody in the last round, you're like, uh, you know what? I really don't need them. Or I have like three tight ends on your roster or something like that. Just pick up one of the Miami guys. And particularly, I mean, I I like stills and, and Wilson more. I just think, I think one of those two guys is going to play in the slot. I, I'm still not sure who it's going to be yet, but there's a lot of value yeah, there. Yeah, I think I like Stills I better because I think they're going to move him around. I think him and Albert Wilson yes. might both play inside-outside, but I think Stills has probably the most upside because he can still go deep. Yes, he can. Yeah, and he's by, – by the way, he's been the most fantasy relevant of the three in recent years. Like it's not like Stills hasn't been at least worthy of being on a roster the last couple yeah. of years. He has been. Uh, I'll give you this a week in advance for everybody. Uh, I think I know what my lock of the week is for week one, and I already have money on it, and it's the Baltimore-Miami over 37.5. That is way too low. Fitzpatrick's going to sling it in complete passes to both teams. <laughs> uh, I think this Ravens offense is going to get interesting early. I think they're going to try some new wrinkles. I think they'll get figured out pretty quickly again, but I don't think anybody on Miami is going to figure it out, and I think they can get really interesting early in the season because apparently just they're, John Harbaugh has this like very new wave offense that he wants to run through. That's way too low of a number. The hurricane won't still the residuals of the hurricane won't still be there at that point in the week. 
Uh, I really like that. Just, just in case you're looking at the, I was just waiting for Fitzpatrick to be named the starter officially to put some money on it. I, I, I like that one. That's a really good one a week early. So just keep that in mind because that's probably going to be my lock when we get there. Um, let's keep with the wide receiver talk. A couple more notes. Uh, Kiki QT might actually play week one. Uh, there's a little bit some, a little bit more optimism this morning from Bill O'Brien. He basically said he didn't think a couple days ago that Kiki QT would be ready to play week one. Now he said, hey, you know what, I, I might be able to change my mind. Uh, what do you think about this, Jake? Is this is somebody that you would feel comfortable starting in your flex spot if he's out there? Let's say he's questionable all week, but he says he's going to play. Or are you in wait-and-see mode until he's actually fully healthy? i got to be wait-and-see on this dude. I mean, he was okay last year when he was healthy. By all accounts, it wasn't that bad of an injury when it happened, as bad as it looked, right? We were all like, oh, dude, here he goes. He's going to be out half the season. And then it was just a sprain. Well, that was like three weeks ago. And now you got 10 days until the first game, and they're still talking about he might be ready in 10 days. If 10 days means he's almost ready now. That means he's going to practice next week. If they're not telling me that's the case, then no, I'm still waiting to see on this. I, I think he's going to get plenty of targets when he plays, but I still got to be waiting to see on this. Absolutely. Another one that we've been talking about for a while and, and a name that we said to kind of keep an eye on. And Look, there's been a lot of talk in Dallas. It's all been about Zeke, and it's been about contracts, and it's been about all this. But very quietly, Amari Cooper hasn't practiced in a minute, and they're hoping Hot he's going to return. Hot he's, minute. It's, yeah, been a, it's been, yes. And they're talking the plantar fasciitis. Eh. They're expecting, hoping he practices this week leading into week one. Uh, what is your level of concern if you're an Amari Cooper owner? Because I feel like for somebody that's being drafted as high as he is, this is just not getting talked about. I haven't all. taken him in one mock draft yet. And I, he, when he's high, when he's low, whatever, I just don't trust what he put up in this offense last year. Even though they're going to have to throw it a little bit more early with Zeke out, I still don't trust it at all. And dude, plantar fasciitis, if you had, I'm sure you have friends that are runners as well. You know, people that are distance runners are going to get plantar fasciitis eventually. And that stuff can linger from a month to a year. It's hard to treat. It's hard to deal with. It's basically you know, a stretching of your arch. Like you, you tear a part of your arch, depending on how bad it is. It's a turf toe type of thing. And you're talking about a speed guy that's coming in out of breaks, like playing on turf, not on natural grass. It scares the hell out of me. He ain't practicing yet. Uh, I mean, Dallas' schedule went from super easy, guaranteed three wins to Zeke and Coop being out. And oops, we might lose one of these first three. I don't know that he's going to miss yeah. any games. You could probably shoot it up, but man, I don't know. My level of concern is high, and I don't, I don't, I don't want any part of him in fantasy. The Cowboys have to get this figured out here in the first three weeks. They're very lucky that they have an easy schedule early; that they could probably get through it at two and one and three and zero oh just by, you know, just taping things together, just by getting by. Because this is one of those years where they open like with the Eagles, and they had to go play the Patriots or something where they could find themselves in a massive divisional hole before they could even get out of the gate. So they're very fortunate that the schedule has allowed them to basically weather this – or, well, it could weather. We'll see. They haven't played these games yet. Uh, but that it allows them a good chance to weather the storm with Zeke and Amari Cooper. But uh, I, I'm concerned. I mean, I've had concerns about this injury since it got brought up because of what you've told me about plantar fasciitis and what you've told me about foot injuries. I mean, think about what the, the Hollywood Brown foot injury that lingered for months. I mean, I know they're not the same, the exact same injury, but th- these are these things linger. And I think sometimes we brush off anything that's not like a knee or an ankle, and we kind of forget that these other injuries could actually, even if they don't sound as bad, are actually more prohibitive for football players than other injuries. You can't so, brace feet, 
right? I mean, one no. between the two of those, one's soft tissue and one's bone, but they're both linger. They're both take forever. Whether you're standing, you're running, whatever you're doing, you're on your feet. You can brace a knee, you can brace an ankle. The, the joints are a little bit easier to shoot up. You can treat them a little bit better. Feet just take forever to heal, and it scares the hell out of me. Yeah, I, I would be nervous too. A couple other news and notes from around the NFL preseason. Uh, Josh Gordon cleared to play week one. I don't think that was a shock once the league reinstated him. Uh, you figured he was going to be cleared to play week one. There was no other reason to reinstate him and not play him there. Uh, if you watch some other some other stuff from around the league, uh, Julian Edelman's thumb is fine. So for those who are panicking about that during the game, uh, everything will be okay there. Uh, I don't imagine – I don't know if anybody had a chance to watch the Ravens preseason game. Uh, I was mostly in college football mode, but uh, I don't think Hollywood Brown is going to be fielding punts for them long term. Uh, he continues to fumble every time. So that's not great. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's that just in one other role that he – might not be able to be in this season. I'm a little worried about him. Uh, a guy that I'm not super high on, but is going fairly high. I mean, relatively, he's being drafted as a, as a mid-level bench guy in the World Championship League is, leagues is Miles Boykin. Uh, I'm in wait-and-see mode on that, but just something to kind of keep in mind that we have that info. So just something to kind of maybe watch him through the early part of the season. Uh, other thing of note, Chargers say uh, Russell Okung will not be ready for week one. Chargers are really, really banged up right Every now. Every year, I, man. Like, they got the injury bug as bad as any team I can remember for, like, years now. Yeah, it's bad. Like, I, I start to be – you're starting to get worried about that team. No, no Gordon, no Okung, no Derwin James. Keenan Allen's ankle's a little banged up. Like, boy, I mean, this is I, – I, I think they're going to win that home game against the Colts, but the Colts could, could give – I mean, if don't sleep on the Colts, even on the road, but – Man, that's just disappointing because I, I, this is a team I think – if they don't win a Super Bowl in the Phillip Rivers era, it's a damn shame. It really is a damn shame. It really is. I mean, as good as he is, Hall of Famer, been everything for them. And this team was built to do that. I picked him to go to the Super Bowl. I don't feel very good about that now. We'll talk about that again later. I think I'm going to change my tune. But I, I did. I changed my just, tune. You know, they could sustain the Derwin James thing for half the year. But you're talking about – a tackle not playing, you're starting superstar three down running back not playing. I mean, it's just a lot. It's a lot to overcome. They keep doing it, and I love Phillip Rivers, but, man, it's eventually you just can't. Eventually it's just too much to overcome. I mean, we talk about it all the time. The, the biggest way to lose in this league is depth and not – you know, teams are starting that deep. deep. You can't sustain that many injuries. Well, and, and the problem too here is you have another really good team in your division that those injuries – could be the difference between you having to play two home games to get to the Super Bowl or three road games to have to get to the Super Bowl. Like that's a massive difference, especially for a team like this that might have to travel back east. Like it just uh, – that that really scares me. I think that's the biggest difference where I think if the Chargers were playing a couple home games, they get a bye, they could have a path to the Super Bowl coming into L.A. with their talent. I don't think they're going to go on the road three times. I don't think they're going to be able to go into a New England or a Pittsburgh or, or a place like that and win on consecutive weeks. I, I just think that that's the big difference for me. And I think missing these players could be the one or two games difference that really prevents you from getting to a Super Bowl yet again because they don't have enough home yeah, games. Yeah, and I mean, but, look, none of these guys are out for the year. They're just out to start it. So, like, if they get healthy by week eight and Derwin James can come back and be, like, the first guy off injured reserve to return, awesome. If not, man, I mean, they could bite them early enough that they, they really play in catch-up and they got to win out to get in. Yeah, 
it's going to be really interesting to see because this is a team that has Super Bowl talent. It's just a question of whether they can get there and whether they'll be healthy enough to get there. And let's kind of transition into that. Let's talk about our best Super Bowl prop bets. Uh, and I mean by prop bet, I just mean by team and, and what they're going to get here. I love the Chargers for most of this run, but I'm kind of backing off them a little bit with all these injuries because now I think there's a chance that they don't win the division. Uh, I still think they're a playoff team, but I think this is just enough of a difference that their division is in doubt for me. And I don't think they're going to go on the road. Uh, I'll start with this. I like the Pittsburgh Steelers at 18 to 1. Uh, I think we've talked about how everybody seems to be sleeping on the Steelers all season. I think the AFC is wide open, and it only got more wide open now that Andrew Luck retired. Uh, I think the Patriots are a good team. I don't think they're a great team. They're going to benefit from not having to play anybody in their division and getting a bye once again. But I don't think they're an elite squad. Uh, the Chargers and the Chiefs, I think – the Chargers might take a slight step back because of these injuries, or at least record-wise. I think the Chiefs are going to take a bit of a step back. Not a huge one, but enough. Uh, I'm not worried about anybody in the AFC South right now when it comes to the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I think this is this is wide open, and we've talked about how the Browns can completely implode on themselves. They also haven't been there yet. Who says that even if they win 11 games, that they come out and they show out in the postseason? They might get the doors blown off as they're just kind of lost in the lights and looking around and enjoying the moment. So at 18-1, to 1, a, a team with that sort of pedigree – in, in an AFC that I think is extremely wide open, I, I like the Steelers. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, last time we talked about this, the Chargers were my pick. Tyree Kill looked like he was going to get suspended. Kansas City looked like they were taking a big step back. I still think I agree with you. They take a little step back. Uh, but these are way too many injuries for me to like the Chargers still at this point as far as the numbers in Vegas. I agree. That these Steelers are a great bet. 18 to 1 for a team that's been there and done that. Been to what? 8, 1, 6? I mean, I like that a lot. Switching over to the NFC, I still love my Vikings pick. I picked the Vikings to go to go yeah. to Super Bowl and win it. I'm not sure where they're at in the numbers. That's 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 your thing. You can sure you could tell me. But switching to the NFC, I still I still really like the Vikings, especially under yeah, the radar. I'm, I'm guess I'm guessing they're pretty getting pretty good numbers there. Yeah, because I don't even think they're favored to win their division at the moment. I, I'm looking that up right now to kind of see what it is. Um, let's see. What is there? I'll have to look that up. Well, uh, in a second there, but my I'm going to go with a long shot, and then I'm going to look up what the Vikings' odds are because I I think they're going to get some value there. Uh, because I, I Vegas still hasn't really set a firm stance on who they think is going to win the NFC. North. Yeah, look, I mean the Packers uh, still got some deficiencies they got to overcome. They on paper they got better on defense. Aaron Rodgers is back. Apparently they got more weapons. Yada yada, whatever. They're still the Packers. They got a new coach. I mean, there, there's some things that got to be worked out there. The Bears are overhyped. There's no way. They put up the same stuff as last year. Nagy surprised everybody. He's got to throw in a bunch of wrinkles. He's got some new players, but Trubisky's got to play as good or better. And in my opinion, he's got to take a step forward to win that division. The Vikings were the best team going in last year. They just imploded. They had a they had a bad year. Everson Griffin was out. Guys, a different defense when he's in there. Dalvin Cook back. I'm expecting a huge year from him. Changed offensive coordinators to DeFilippo threw it more than anybody in the league for the first 13 weeks, so he got fired. Uh, I love Mike Zimmer. You got great leadership. I just think they're flying under the radar. I think that to me, they're the best, most complete team in the division. Twenty-eight to I, one all day long and twice on Sunday. Twenty-eight to one, and I agree. I think this is this is one of the teams in that division because they they can have premier weapons on both sides of the ball. I think that's the biggest thing people are forgetting. It, it, it's amazing to me what happens, and this is a little bit why that I've started to come around on Jacksonville a little bit this year too, for the same reason. It's how quickly we forget, even with the same amount of talent there. Where were the Vikings two years ago, and what did we think about them? With Case Keenum 
And with all the other talent on that team, they pretty much have all of that talent still on the team right now and a healthy Dalvin Cook. I don't, I, sometimes it's amazing how quickly that one bad year we just completely forget about these teams and start writing them off in perpetuity and why some teams would just kind of give the benefit of the doubt no matter what happens. Yeah, but everybody thinks it's, 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 it's Diggs and Thielen and that's it. You still got Kyle Rudolph. You drafted Irv Smith in the second round who's had a touchdown the preseason uh, and, you know, for another superstar tight end in the future. Dalvin Cook, they got uh, they have multiple running backs that look exactly like Dalvin Cook. They run the same way. They're slashers. That that zone scheme up front. Uh, so even if he's not ta- carrying the load, I expect him to carry the load and have a monster year, as I've said. And then that defense hadn't lost anybody. You got corners. You got safeties. You got linebackers. Anthony Barr, Kendricks. I mean, look, they're really really good people. Like Twenty eight to one. That is yeah awesome. Yeah, the, right now they're behind. Te- I mean, I mean, some of the teams that they're behind uh, that you might that might surprise you. They're behind Houston. Come on, they're behind Green Bay. They're behind Jacksonville. They beat Houston by fourteen if they play tomorrow. And Deshaun Watson plays same- throw four picks and get sacked nine times. And they're at the same odds as the Seahawks. Come on, man. So that, that that's where people are are looking at them. So that that that's some good value there. For me, my real long shot, and I'm going like 50 to 1 greater odds, uh, and I brought them up before, but it goes back to the AFC being as open as it is. It's the Denver Broncos at 66 to 1. Um, <laughs> again, I don't think, it, I don't think it's going to happen, but I do think the Broncos could flirt. I think they could be a playoff team. I would not be shocked if they sneak into the playoffs. And, you know, if, if you think, if you agree with me that any playoff team at 66 to 1 odds, uh, but yeah, no, I, I go with the Steelers, go with the Vikings. But if you're looking for just a massive long shot to put like 10 bucks on and just see what happens, uh, I think you have a better chance that somebody comes out of the AFC that we don't expect than the NFC. Yeah, no, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I don't, I don't see any other, I mean, I'm sure Philly, Philly is getting way too good of odds. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the Saints are way, you know, the Falcons, if that offense stays healthy and gets just hot and their defense can just play decent. They're probably getting some decent odds, but I, I can't. Yeah, thirty to one for it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, not, a, that's not a terrible bet either. Um, you know, the Rams are way too hot. The Seahawks, yeah, they they can't do it yet. So yeah, I mean, I like those, and I love. I agree with you. Any team that you think could make the playoffs, you throw ten bucks on sixty six to one. Yeah. Look, veteran quarterback yeah. that's won a Super Bowl. Say what you want about Joe Flacco, defense, dude. That's they've done it. You got a defensive and that defense leadership. Game? Yeah, I mean it's. I mean, how do teams – what is the formula for – if your team doesn't have the talent level to win a Super Bowl on offense, what's the formula? You play lights-out defenses with pass rushers that can really get to the quarterback, create turnovers, and run the ball effectively. Tell me that Denver can't do that. With young playmaking receivers that if any of them really step up, and a young tight end if, if he steps up, look, I, you talk, you talk me into it. I mean, yeah, I think it's a great bet. I also like – I think they're plus 325 to make the playoffs. I like that bet a lot. Uh, just to get more than three to one odds to make the playoffs again. I think this is a nine win team. It's a tough division. I get it. You have two really good teams in front of them, but dude, you uh, never know I who's going to hurt. Patrick Mahomes gets hurt. The Chiefs suck. That's true. <laughs> like, they they true. go from like everybody's darlings to their dog crap. Yep, it, it can, we've seen it happen before. Uh, right now, for those who are interested, the top four teams in Super Bowl odds: the Patriots, shocking number one uh, at seven to one. The Chiefs and Saints tied at number two at eight to one, and then the Rams at number four at eight and a half to one. Um, and then rounding out the top five is a four-way tie at fourteen to one for the Bears, the Browns, the Chargers, and the Eagles. Wow! So, in case you are wondering, there uh, not a lot of value uh, at the top there at all. So, uh, I like the Chargers' value because they haven't moved really much, really at all this offseason, but they've just gotten hurt. Yeah. 
Uh, I like 14 to one when everybody was healthy and Melvin Gordon was going to play. So yeah, not sure I love them so much now. Let's move on to – let's keep with that defensive theme since we were talking about the Broncos. Defensive player of the year. Uh, I'm going to keep with the Denver theme, and I wanted to go with not one of the obvious answers. I'm going to go with Von Miller at 10 to 1. Uh, I think Bradley Chubb is going to get a lot of attention. I think Von Miller is going to be freed up more than he has been in the past. I like what Vic Fangio can scheme up for him. Uh, I think if the Broncos are going to be a team that is going to be in playoff contention, it's going to surprise a lot of people. And I think a lot of this award is not just about the numbers, but it's about the attention you get. It's almost like Heisman-like. And I think Von Miller could be someone to get that. I like him at 10 to 1 odds. Yeah, where's Demarcus Lawrence? Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, let me see. I bet you he's pretty high. But I'm going to look that up right now. For whatever reason, they like to put these on separate pages instead of just putting them on the same page. And I only say that to your point is the guys that are going to get the hype and nobody gets more hype than the Cowboys, you know, if if he throws up 15-plus, which he's capable of doing healthy – and that, we've talked about that defense and that front seven especially. I think he's definitely going to be in the running. I mean, you've got to throw the Khalil Max out there and stuff like that, but that, they're just there's no point in doing it because their their odds are way, way too high. Uh, but DeMarcus Lawrence, is, he's kind of been under the radar since signing his tenure or whatever they, they did with him. They still don't have a long-term deal done. So he's still playing for Cheddar too. You know how I am with guys in contract years. Yeah, he's number seven right now at 25. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll yeah. take that all day. I like that one. That's a fun one. And in case you're wondering, the top five there, uh, Aaron Donald at 2-1 to one yeah. is a pretty big favorite. <laughs> yeah. uh, duh. He's only won uh, the last two. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's really freaking good. He was voted, what, the number one overall player in football yes. uh, for the NFL's top 100, and deservedly so, by the way. Uh, Khalil Mack, number two at 5-1. to one. J.J. Watt, number three at 8-1. to one. Von Miller, my, that was my pick, number four at 10-1. to one. And uh, Miles Garrett. Also at ten to one, that's not a bad one. I think Miles Garrett's going to have a monster year in that defense. But I mean, look, Demarcus Lawrence trying to get paid, right, on a really good defense. Zeke doesn't show up. Who knows? But he's, you know, he's playing for one one of thirty two teams that want to pay him, and somebody's going to give him big, big time money. And those guys are getting a million a sack. So if he throws up fifteen, sixteen, he's going to be right there as much hype as the Cowboys should have. And uh, I have a couple long shots as well that I like. One of them is Frank Clark in Kansas City. If that defense can do anything, he's like their only pass rusher right now. Uh, he's 50 to 1. Uh, in the case that he could spike a 17 plus sack season, I don't think it's going to happen, but he might get the opportunity to uh, at 50 to 1. I really like that. And uh, our old friend, Calais Campbell, 70 to 1. Ooh. How soon people forget? He can have, uh, this is a guy that's going to have a massive impact on. What could be a division-winning team? I know it's bad, not a great division anymore, but it could be a division-winning team. I he was what top three defensive player of the year a couple of years ago. Like it wasn't that long ago. Seventy to one. I, I love that. No, that's that's another good one. You know, Clayus is going to put up numbers. He flashes. He doesn't play every play, but he play he flashes. And when he flashes, they're they're big numbers. And that defense healthy, you can't double him. So he should have another monster year. Uh, I mean, corners won't ever win it, but I think Jalen Ramsey has a monster year. I think he bounces back. Uh, with that defense and just has lights out, shut down. You know, Patrick Peterson not playing the first six weeks. He's the best corner in football, and it starts off early with the Chiefs and that whole smack talk calling Tyreek Hill a returner last year and all that stuff. I think he has a monster. I don't think a corner can win defensive player of the year, but another guy I'd like to see have a big year. Absolutely. Let's let's move over to the MVP, which let's just assume is going to be an offensive player uh, because, duh. Uh, you, you're going to be shocked by this, but all the heavy favorites are quarterbacks. Shocking. Uh, let's go over the top five and let me know if you like anybody there or who your value is. 
Number one is Patrick Mahomes at five to one. Number two, Baker Mayfield no, at nine to one. Him. Boy. Number three, Carson Wentz at ten to one. Number four, Aaron Rodgers at fourteen to one. And then tied for fifth is Philip Rivers and Deshaun Watson at fifteen to one. Do you like any of those or do you have another pick? I like Aaron Rodgers at fourteen to one. As do I. That's that, my that's pretty, I mean, dude, you, you just picked Von Miller at 10 to 1. Aaron Rodgers at 14, who's already done it twice. He stays healthy. He's going to be right in the mix, uh, especially if they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, I, I like Aaron Rodgers a lot at 14 to 1. That's a good return. Yeah, I, I, love I don't like one. anybody else in the top five to win it other than Patrick, other no. than Patrick Mahomes. But uh, you're going to get the worst odds right there. But uh, I, I've said this on the show before. I said this in my columns on the draftnetwork.com that I think if you get 16 games of Aaron Rodgers, he's the number one quarterback in fantasy. And I think if you get 16 games of Aaron Rodgers, he's got a damn good shot at being the number one quarterback in the NFL stats wise. Absolutely. Uh, I, he's going to throw the ball a ton. And I, I expect him to really take over this offense. And maybe that's to the detriment of the overall team at times, but it's going to be great for Aaron Rodgers and his fantasy weapons there. Uh, I, I'm excited. Tell, to see tell me this, and this is like I'm laughing even saying this, but guessing where he's going in fantasy drafts, and that nobody's talking about. Where's Tom Brady? Because I like uh, I like Tom, value, dude. Whatever it is, it's more than fourteen to one. Eighteen to I'm one. I'm down with that too. That's not terrible. No, they don't think all of a sudden they don't think any, they're gonna they're gonna throw it. Edelman, Gordon got the rookie. Demarius Thomas has looked at least rejuvenated. Position guy. I mean. Brady does whatever's necessary. 18 to 1? You know they're going to make playoffs, win the division. They're going to win 13 games. They're going to get as much hype as anybody. That, there's, that, there's good value there, too. I mean, how, how is, that, is that crazy? Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady were talking about the best value? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this because people want to go somewhere else. But I, I, I put money on both those that guys. A million times out of a million over Baker Mayfield winning the MVP. Oh, uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, another name just to kind of know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, 40 to 1. Great value. <laughs> Just be aware. Right, because they go 11-5 um, and win the division. Nobody gets as much hype as the Steelers either. Yeah. He, he, he would have been my long easily be there at you know, 4,800 yards and 35, 40 touchdowns. Absolutely, he could. And, and he was going to be my long shot, but the odds weren't quite long enough. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to still keep this one from the preseason. I'm going to go with Ezekiel Elliott at 60 I almost said that just for the hell of it. But at 60-1, uh, to one, if he comes back in week two, he could run for, he could run for 2,000 yards. And the narrative. What's the narrative going to be if the Cowboys look bad or they struggle or they lose one of those games and then Ezekiel Elliott comes back and just does what he does for 14 games, I think the narrative is going to be that Ezekiel Elliott carried the Dallas Cowboys to the NFC East title or carried them to the postseason. And uh, I think that narrative has a lot to do with what the AP voters are going to do. Yeah, it is, but it's a media award and Zeke's a bad guy and I'm throwing that out there in big quotes. So there's no way it'll happen. But I almost said the same thing because he's all of a sudden forgotten. Yeah, I mean, he's been a completely forgotten guy. Uh, last thing before we wrap up the show, I'm just doing a quick check. No, uh, no notable fantasy cuts yet uh, as we're wrapping up the show. Or it's about lunchtime on the West Coast, a little before lunchtime. So keep keep an eye on that throughout the uh, throughout the weekend before we come back to you with our show on Monday. See if any guys get picked up, any particularly any of these these running backs that might get cut. Uh, look at guys like Jeff Wilson in San Francisco. I think he should should stay there, but in case he gets cut. Guy like Kenneth Dixon in Baltimore, um, you know there are some options. The whole Buffalo thing. Everybody in Buffalo. I just got an alert uh, that O'Brien confirms that Will Fuller will be ready for Week One. Yes, so that's, and that, that's really good news for obviously Will Fuller owners and Deshaun Watson owners, and they need him because if they're probably not going to have QT, even though there was a little bit more optimism there, 
I, I would have been worried if they walked in with literally just Duke Johnson and DeAndre Hopkins for week one. So that, that's good news. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, a couple of things I like to take away from the preseason, you can't take away much. But and this is going to sound like the homerest thing ever. But I want to I want to point it out because I think it does matter. The Buccaneers have a winning record in the preseason for the first time since 2008. Well, that doesn't mean absolute shit. It means that nobody on this team has ever had a winning record going into the season. They haven't made the playoffs since then. They haven't had a winning record since then. I think it matters when you're talking about coaching changes. And there's some other – I thought the Jets have looked really good in the preseason. And you're talking about all the way down to the 90th man on the roster learning how to win games and trying to figure out how. The Buccaneers won three close games, two by last-second field goals with a rookie kicker. And you're starting to change the way – like the guys that aren't going to make the team are fighting their asses off to win games because the message is these games matter and we're trying to win them, regardless who's on the field. And it sounds very homerish by me pointing the bucks out, but I think that does matter. When you're talking about a team that's used to winning or at least you're losing and, and the culture changing in the franchise, that stuff does matter. So it's like things you can take away in the preseason is Daniel Jones looking spectacular for the Giants, no matter who was on the field. We, got, we made the excuse for Baker Mayfield looking bad because OBJ and Landry weren't out there. Daniel Jones is playing with the twos, the threes, the fours at times and was spectacular. There's stuff you can take away. Let your eyeballs tell you what looks good and what doesn't. Um, well, we bash the preseason all the time, and yes, it's too long, and we're all excited for week one. There are things you can take away. There, there's a couple of nuggets right there that, that I've seen. Um, that, that I think the Jets are going to be better than people think. I, I, I do too. I, I really, they may have the best mi- middle of the defense, top to bottom, Adams, Mosley, the Williams boys up the they, – they are good. I would not be shocked if they won eight or nine games. You know, I, I mean, the, the Broncos we've talked about. There's, And I don't want to sound that homer. It was just a blatant thing to me to point out, which I think matters, especially when you're talking about taking that into the regular season. Now your ones have watched your fours and the guys they just got cut, but they've been with since March, fight their tails off to win games and do whatever it takes to win games. That stuff matters. That means your situational think- football that's being coached from the top down is taking shape all the way through your locker room. Absolutely. And I don't think you were on the show for the part where I talked about this with Paige because somebody asked – we did a mailbag show uh, and somebody asked us um, about you know takeaways from the preseason. Do people take too much of it? And I said it depends. I, I, trends matter. Trends that last long-term, trends that last multiple weeks, trends throughout the entire offseason. And that's what you're talking about. That stuff matters. One big game doesn't matter. No, one, big, one tr- big play doesn't matter. A guy that yeah. did, did or didn't play doesn't matter. But you, there's definitely themes. And we talked about it. I, I was That was my knee surgery day, so I didn't miss that, so that show. But we've talked about that before. Themes that, that linger from OTAs all the way through, that stuff matters. Those are the things yeah. that translate to the regular season. And a couple more quick points before we sign off today. One, uh, to your point in Tampa Bay, uh, I would not be shocked if Matt Gay is a top five kicker this year in fantasy. Uh, that dude can boom it. He can <laughs> hopefully not miss any short ones, but he can absolutely boom it. A fifty-five, a fifty-three, a forty-eight yard game winner on a wet field. The kid's talented, and they should put up a lot of points. I would say you might have to just start taking a couple delay game penalties on the extra points to get him back into <laughs> the fifty yard range where he feels, where he feels comfortable. comfortable. Yeah. Uh, and one other note, since we talked about the Jets, and something that I think is worth looking at, keep an eye on Ty Montgomery. They really, really like him there. They're going to Adam Gase is going to find ways to use him in the offense. And if something were to happen to Le'Veon Bell, or he gets hurt, or you know a soft tissue injury or something, I think Ty Montgomery is going to be the guy there. So he does too much. He does too much to not like him. He yeah. picks up the blitz. He catches it. He runs it. He returns kicks. 
He'll play special teams. He's a football player. He's a guy that you want on every team, right? Like you want a guy like that on every team. And I agree with you. The, if the coaching staff counts on him that much, he's going to be in there. Absolutely. Uh, Jake, how can they follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Jake Arians on Instagram. You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. At TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter is the show account. And we will be back on Monday. But again, keep a close eye. I know there's a lot of college football this weekend. But keep a close eye on cuts and additions because there are going to be plenty of fantasy-relevant moves made between now and our show on Monday. Have a good weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.